Good morning, church. It is indeed awesome to be back in this place. <laughs> Let, let's go to the Word of God. Let's go to Hebrews 6, verse 1 to 3. Hebrews 6, verse 1 to 3. Come, let's go. Hebrews 6, verse 1 to 3. Verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. All right, let us stop there first. Leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ. This is Paul writing about elementary principles. And we think about elementary. Elementary is foundational. Elementary is basic. It is the basis of principles of Christ. And this is what he's saying. Like The following are the principles which are elementary, which are our foundation. And we should leave from this and go on to perfection. And he goes and lists out um, six things. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. That's the first one. Number two, uh, and of faith toward God. Number three and four is doctrine of baptisms, with an S. Number five, laying on of hands. Number six, the resurrection of the dead. Hmm. And number seven, number six, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So I, I, I have been doing a, a Bible study with, with um, a few groups and, and we've been going through um, what this six, uh, these seven things uh, in depth in the Bible study. And I really thought that as, as, we, as I went through that Bible study, I was thinking like, hey, you know, we've been going through this past year and even the year before, and we've been looking at a lot of foundational things of how we look at our faith, how we look at our belief, and how we look at Christianity. And if Paul is saying that these things are foundational, then there is an importance and there is an urgency for each and every one of us to actually understand and know. Because what Paul is saying is that this, that this is foundation. And you shouldn't just keep going on of it. Because once you lay the foundation, you don't just keep laying foundation and foundation and foundation. But you build on the foundation. The problem is a lot of us want to build on top of something without first laying the foundation. Now, you know, in a typical sermon, I'll go on, you know, you don't look at the building, you need to build the foundation first, and then you have tower. But you all understand that. So I'm not going to go into that. So today we are going to start with repentance from dead works. Alright? Turn to your neighbour and say, repentance from dead works. Turn to the other neighbour who you have not seen for a few months and say, repentance from dead works. And when we're talking about repentance, we have to talk about sin. So what better place in the Bible to look at repentance and to look at sin than Adam and Eve? Because that was where it all started. Once upon a time in a garden called Eden, 
All right, let's go to Genesis 3, verse 1 to 6. I uh, want to 8. Genesis 3, verse 1 to 8. This was after everything was done. Adam and Eve were just chilling out in this garden called Eden. And verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, and you shall not touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Verse 5, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of his fruits and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Quick recap. In the middle of the garden, there were two trees. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You all know trees. You know durian trees, rambutan trees, mango trees. Have you ever wondered, when you read Genesis, right, why is it called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It's a really long name, right, for a tree that you're not supposed to touch. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if you go back to the verse that we read just now, look at what Satan was telling Eve. That if you eat of the fruit, you will know good and evil. Wait a minute. Does that mean that Adam and Eve did not know what was good or bad for them? Because Satan was clearly saying this, like if you eat of the tree, you will be able to distinguish what is good and what is evil. You see, Adam and Eve could not eat of that fruit. So, by right, the only conclusion is they did not have that knowledge because that was what Satan or the serpent was offering to them. So how would they live? It was God who told them. You see, all the way from Genesis, from what we were reading just now, there was a reliance of man to God on how to live our life of what is good and what is evil. You have to remember that when you are reading the Bible, right, Adam and Eve did not have the Bible. Hello? You get where I'm going? When Adam and Eve were around, there was no Genesis yet. There was only the table of contents and it was empty. There was nothing for them to refer to. There was no in the Garden of Eden and on beside the church of Harvest Generation Church. And Adam welcomed Eve every Sunday. 
for service. No, you see, they did not. That was what Satan was offering to them, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there was a relationship with God from the onset, from creation. And if you look at verse 8, if you look at verse 8, let's, let's go back to verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, and I was at home, and my mom comes back, from far away, I can hear the sound of the car. It's this old Proton Saga with the first three letters, A-B-U. And it was this, the moment you start, then it's like, from far away, you could hear the sound of the car, and I could recognize, oh, mom's back, she's coming. And this is what's happening right here. That from the sound of God walking in the garden, they could recognize Him. You see, for you to recognize the sound of God walking in the garden, right? means God must have walked quite a few times before for them to be able to recognize Him. That when they had seen and they were hiding themselves, that was not the first time that actually God was walking through the garden. No, because they could recognize the sound. That was not the first time that God walked in the garden. You see, man, you and I, Adam and Eve, we were created to walk with God. We were created from the start, from creation, to recognize that sound of God walking with us. So you and I, we were created to have this relationship with God. We were created from the very start to walk with God. But what sin did, and which was what Satan was offering to Eve and later Adam, was that, hey, eat of this and you have knowledge of good and evil. Micah 6 verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The core of repentance is relationship with God. Point number one. The core of repentance is relationship with God. We all know that when sin came into this earth, you and I, we were separated from God. Repentance is a restoration of relationship with God. Repentance is choosing to walk with God. You see, it's been God's desire from the start of creation to reveal Himself to us. And it's not that as evidenced by the last few months that we need this hall and we need these likes and we need Kelvin here as a worship leader right in front of your face praising God before you can encounter God because from the start God came and walked with them in the garden He came and walked with them wherever they were at that was what creation was Man was created to walk with God. And the lies of the devil attacks that relationship that God wants to have with us. You see, at times when we stumble or we fall into sin or, you know, there's this 
hiccup in our lives. It seems like it's a performance failure. You know, like we have been not up to par with what God, who God wants us to be. And this especially for those of you who have been Christians for some time. Those of you, maybe, maybe not those of you, lah, maybe you know, some Christians somewhere elsewhere. Maybe they're still struggling with a fair bit of things in their life, even though they've been walking with God. But you see, that's the thing. We have put man-made laws, we have put church culture, church tradition as the core of Christianity. Because the moment you come to church, you notice what people ask. Hey, pastor, actually, uh, can do like this. Uh. Pastor, as a Christian, can we get tattoos? Pastor, as a Christian, can we keep long hair? Pastor, as a Christian, can we go on a holiday uh, with, with someone who, uh, we are just friends. Yeah, but uh, to save costs, we sleep in the same room. But we are not going to do anything, uh, don't worry. Uh. We'll, we'll, we'll do Bible study together. We look for leeway for tithing. How much should we tie? Maybe we need to take off our expenses on top, cut a bit. You know, uh, okay, maybe because we need to pay EPF, right? So out minus EPF first, then out of that amount, right, times 10%. So it becomes like a mathematics class. Hello? And with relationship and with intimacy. <laughs> Let's not go there. We look for the least minimal effort kind of Christianity. We look how far the boundaries of relationship can be stretched without breaking it. Why? Because all we're trying to do is to fit into the Christian SOP. You know, if Christianity is about SOP, when you believe in Jesus or when you come to Harvest Generation Church, on your way out, please collect the whole stack of SOP that you need to live your life through and with. So as you live today, please collect. <laughs> Isn't that easy? But then wouldn't that just be religion? Wouldn't that just be following instructions? And every time you have problems, right, you're, you're actually not relying on God. You're actually flipping the SOPs and say, hey, what should I do? And you notice with human problems, there's not really anything cut and paste that you can, oh, Abraham went through that. You know, Abraham had a really bad boss. You know, Abraham had a really demeaning boss in his, at his work and he's going through some relationship problems. So maybe I can just use exactly what he's going through and cut and paste. No, it's not. You see, what? The devil tried to do is to attack that relationship that we have with God. And not only attack that, he's trying to blind us. That in our daily Christian walk, he's trying to blind us from what Christianity is actually about. Because we keep thinking that sin is merely our inability to do what is right. Our inability to do what is right is caused by our refusal to walk close with God. Sin is not a failure of performance. Sin is a failure of relationship. Sin is a failure of relationship. It's not about being perfect. Each and every one of us, we will sin, we will fall. Pastors sin too. Assistant pastors sin even more.
it's not about being perfect. But being willing to be perfected by God. It's not about being perfect. It's about being willing to walk with God. To allow Him to walk with you. And you know David, right? King David, hello? David was a man after God's own. This was a guy who slept with someone else's wife. Killed the husband. Had a child with that said wife. Married her. And that, it was just the start of his problems. But yet, in Psalms, Psalms 51 verse 4, this is what he said when he came before God after his sin. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. David sinned and rightly said, Yes, God, only against you and you only have I sinned. You see, right here in Psalms, David has got that relational aspect of sinning right. He knew that it was that relationship with God, that walk with God, that the devil was trying to kill. And if you're created to walk and be in relationship with God, How else will the devil continue to try to break that? Genesis 3 verse 5. Let's go back to Genesis. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, the devil doesn't try to say to Eve, come to the dark side. Come and turn the world upside down with me. Think of the things that we can do to torture Adam and everyone else. No. He first offers her something which seems right. The knowledge of good and evil. Satan didn't even tell Eve. He said like, hey, you're going to be God. No. Look at how he phrases his sentence. You will be like God. See, in the place of relationship with God, in place of that walk with God, the devil is trying to give us a way of growing in maturity, knowledge, and even freedom or trying to become holy. But the catch is to disobey God, that you no longer need to walk with Him. You guys getting this? The knowledge of good and evil. He's trying to tell you, hey, you want to become holy? Sure! This is the knowledge of good and evil. You don't need God. You can be like Him. Satan was trying, all Satan was trying to do is this, is to remove God and to restore self, to restore man, rather than have that reliance of God. Let's break this thing down. Notice that everything here is transactional that you get to be like God, but you have to remove God. You see, when relationship is transactional, everything else becomes conditional. Because everything has something attached to it. But you know that when Jesus died on the cross for us, 
when Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, that was out of love that was unconditional. So you see, the same thing the devil is trying to do. He's trying to say, hey, I'm putting a price on this transaction. You need to give up God. You need to remove God. And maybe we don't see it, but this lie that the devil is trying to slip into Eve to try and put it into her life, it's evident then in the Garden of Eden. And that trait still continues up to today. Why? Example. How many of you before a big exam, a big presentation, you pray a bit more? How many of you, uh, you know, someone asks you to share CG lesson, lead CG in worship, you find yourself spending a lot of time seeking God? How many of you, when you have that feeling of uh, when, when we want some, some big change or, or something to break through in our life, you find yourself a bit more on your knees, a bit more fasting and praying? Where is that consistency? You see, do we repent on the condition that we get to heaven? Notice, it's transactional. You're repenting because you want something. You want to get into heaven. That you believe that Christianity is your ticket to heaven. So do you repent on the condition that we get into heaven? Or do we repent because God is holy? Do we believe in Jesus because we want to get that hundred full blessing? Or do we repent and come before Him because He is holy? We must repent and come before God not because we are afraid of God's retribution for our sins. Not because we are afraid that we cannot get into heaven. The basis of our repentance is holiness. Point number two. The basis of a repentance is holiness. It is not to escape judgment. It is not to gain eternal life. You see, repentance must be rooted in a high value of God and a low value on ourselves. All Satan was trying to do is to remove God and to restore self. And what repentance is trying to do is to remove self and to restore God. That is what walking with God is. Because God is holy. And when you walk with God that is holy, you repent. You change. You repent not because you want to get something from God, but you repent because truly, when you walk with Him, His light, His light that shines upon your life, anything that is not of Him, slowly will be burned away. Leviticus 11 verse 44 to 45. For I am the Lord your God. You must consecrate yourself and be holy because I am holy. So do not defile yourself with any of these small animals that scurry along the ground. For I, 
the Lord am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt that I might be your God. Therefore, you must be holy because I am holy. Church, you see, if holiness is the basis, are we coming to God to run away from sin or are we coming to God to deal with sin? It's two very different things. Are we coming to God to run away from sin? Are we coming to God to just try and say, God, it's okay, I believe in you. Then when I believe and I check this mark, I get all your benefits. Or are we with a contrite, broken heart coming before God and saying, God, you are holy and I want to walk with you and I want to deal with these things that I have in my life. Are we dealing with our sins? The basis of our repentance is holiness. And the last part of my message is in Genesis 3, verse 22 to 24. Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to uh, to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the tree of life. My third point is this. Repentance is a lifestyle. Repentance is a lifestyle. You see, we always think that when we read this story in the Garden of Eden, that when Adam and Eve sinned, God kicked them out of the garden because, hey, you're sinned, you're no longer worthy, you're not going to enjoy these things that I already have for you, out you go and I'm going to punish you. You see, that exile from the garden was not just an exit. It was an entrance back into this journey to restore man to God. The exit from the garden was to enter into a life with God. Because look at what God said that lest he put put out his hand and take off the tree of life and eat and live forever. The fruit of the tree of life would have all but ensured the continued separation of man from God. If Adam and Eve had stayed at where they were, where they had sinned, that separation between them and God would have been permanent and forever. When we repent, we always say, you know, when you repent, you have to turn away and walk towards God, right? We always say, 
how important it is to turn and walk towards God to live a changed life. But I want to tell you today of how dangerous it is to say that you believe in Jesus, but yet you don't want to exit the garden. You see, your exile from your past could feel like, oh, the past might be such a better life. You know, when I come and become a Christian, I uh, need to come for service early morning, 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Feels like, oh, there are things to do. Suddenly it feels like your freedom is restricted. You notice all these thoughts, if you think back of the first two points, if it's relational, if it's not transactional, all these things don't come into play anymore. Because we get the basis of our faith wrong. That's why when Paul wrote this all the, in, in Hebrews, at the start of the sermon when we read this, that this is foundational. And it starts off with this, repentance from dead works. That if we don't get that our faith and our belief that Christian life is a relationship, is walking with God, is constantly looking towards Him, constantly being perfected by Him, constantly knowing that because He is holy, there's going to be changes in my life. And because there are changes in my life, I need to leave this place that I'm comfortable with, this life, my Garden of Eden. Because God is saying, hey, you need to exit, to enter into that relationship that I've prepared for you. Your exile will lead you on to a path of life. Oswald Chambers said this, that repentance always brings a man to this point. I have sinned. The surest sign that God is at work is when a man says that and means it. Repentance is a daily choice that we make. Not just one single time when you pray that prayer, when someone asks you, hey, do you believe in Jesus? No, it's not that. Repentance is a daily choice to walk in holiness with God. And that walk in holiness will lead to a change in our thoughts, in our actions, in our postures, and in turn, our values, our lifestyle, our relationship. First Peter 1, verse 13 to 16. And I'm just going to end with this. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you 
is holy. And once again, for the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. Church, you know, <laughs> repentance seems like this very simple concept and thing that, you know, like I said at the start, when we come to know Jesus, we prayed and then, hey, we're done with it. <laughs> and sometimes we take that out of context. We take it and, and twist it around. And sometimes we think like, hey, wow, I sinned already. Oh, I need to repent before God. Why? If I don't repent, I cannot get into heaven. You notice again and all these things, this cycle of lies that the devil has sown into us all the way from the very start. The church, if we don't get that this, <laughs> this everything, our belief, our faith, each day that we live, if we don't see that it is a walk with a God that is holy, then what's the point? If all we see are the things that we can gain and the things that we can get, I mean, yes, I'm not throwing out the promises. I mean, yes, I'm not throwing out that the Bible is there for us to read and for, for its words to illuminate our life, to know what we're supposed to do. But you see, the laws that are in the Bible is best revealed and best told when built on this relationship with God. That was the whole reason why Jesus had to come to earth to live and die. To fulfill the law. To set the standard to show us how it could be done to bear that burden. And most importantly, the cross restores man back to God. So I really don't know how today's message is speaking to you. But I know and I know that even as I spoke, there are some of you who maybe in your hearts, you know you've been struggling with a few things Or maybe for you, you have maybe have this wrong perspective or this skewed perspective of what Christianity is. Or we have for far too long let the lies and these seeds sown by the devil all the way back in the time of Genesis, let it take root in our minds and in our hearts. Church, today is the day to remove each and everything. Today is a day where you come before God and say, God, I, I want my faith to be this walk with you. That God, I want to come to a point when I hear the sound of you coming through my life, coming through this garden, that I'll recognize you coming. I'll recognize your voice. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm just going to quickly do this. You know, for those of you who have 
yet to come to know who this Jesus is. Let me tell you one thing, Jesus loves you. That he came to die on the cross so that you can be restored back to God. That he wants to have a relationship with you, a personal relationship with you. So wherever you are at, whether you are here, whether you are online, or whether you are watching this sermon on YouTube many days later, if you want to know this Jesus that we have been talking about, I just want you to say this prayer and repeat after me. Dear God, Forgive me for my sins. I believe in you. I ask that you come into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Let me just say a quick prayer for everyone here. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for each and every one of us. And Father, we thank you for your heart that from the very start of creation that God, you want to walk with us. That we were made to be in fellowship with you. So Father, I pray for every single person here today and even for myself, O oh God, that God let us not have this wrong perspective of what walking with you is. That it's not about trying to hit a mark, but to be willing to come before you, to be willing for you to walk together with us in this life. So Father, I pray for every single person who is struggling with anything, I pray that God, you will give them peace, you will give them clarity. God, you will enable them to see past their situations, to see past their struggles, to see that God, you have come to walk with them. And Father, we pray that God, our walk with you will be closer and closer each day. That God, we will learn to recognize the sound of you walking with us. So Father, we commit this to your hands. All glory, all honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. You know, all this, this, this life that we have in God, it is a journey. It is a process. No one is there yet. Everyone, we are at different points in our life. And I pray that even um, throughout the next few months, even as, we, uh, as I bring you through um, this, this, this series, I pray that you will, you will take the time to actually look at your faith to take the time to look at your belief. Like, is, are, are these foundations secure? 
are these things as how it's supposed to be? Are you seeing God as how it's supposed to be? Are we walking as how it's supposed to be? Amen? Amen? So, uh, let me declare the benediction. <laughs> Let's lift our hands. In the love of the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the sweet, sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Harvest Generation Church. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged.